0: Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Dr Peter Huntington. Dr. Peter Huntington received a veterinary degree from the University of Melbourne in 1981 and then worked in an equine practice in Berwick, Victoria. He then joined the Department of Agriculture in Victoria as a horse specialist veterinary officer. While he was there at the Department of Agriculture, he conducted research and investigation into nutrition of horses. Since then, he's done extensive research into the nutrition of horses He's the author of a popular book, Horse Sense, The Guide to Horse Care in Australia and New Zealand, and is also the author of many articles and papers on a variety of topics related to equine nutrition. So hopefully we'll get some great goals about equine nutrition today. How are you, Peter?
1: Excellent. Thanks, It's Good to be speaking with you.
0: Good to talk to you too, Peter. Now, Peter, a favourite quote. Now, this quote may not be something that's quoted from someone, but could be something that you're saying often to people. So what have you got for us?
1: Well, I think you never stop learning about horses. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can be with them, you know, I've been working with them for a long time and uh, you keep learning something all the time. So um, I think that's my favourite quote or mantra that um, you'll never stop learning.
0: I think, you know, coming from someone who graduated in 1981 and has just kept going with research and research and research since then, I think, you know, you sort of, it's your mantra but it's what you do.
1: It is, and I think you know you find different things. I mean, common things are common, and and they keep recurring. But you find new situations, and uh, horses remembering that horses are individuals, and uh, uh, in lots of aspects. But in uh, certainly in feeding, you need to remember that to feed them as uh, individuals rather than um, you, know, you just you can't feed or handle or manage every horse the same. Yeah, so that's yep. an important part of that.
0: Peter, you went to uni and you became a vet, but what was your start with horses? What was your first memories when you first had contact with horses? Have you got anything there?
1: Oh, I've got a bit of memory of learning to ride when I was about, or not quite four or something, I, I spent, my mother came from a farm at Rutherglen and her brother, younger brother, was very interested in horses and he used to you know use horses for cattle and sheep work and also uh, involved in rodeos and Cutting and things like that, and uh, so he taught me to ride early on, and I spent yeah a lot of time in holidays uh, up there. So that mm-hmm. was my that was my start. Then I you know, got into vet school. The horses were the only animal I was really interested in, and spent used to spend you know summers working, doing yearly prep and things like that on thoroughbred studs and uh, horses. As both a vet and then I guess as a nutritionist, horses are the only animal I have worked with. I have to get other vets to look at my dogs and things like that.
0: <laughs> okay. So, Now, from those times on your farm, were you always going to be a vet?
1: Oh, not necessarily. I think that possibly came later. Um, Sometime during high school, that sort of uh, solidified as an idea. Mm -hmm. And um, I like science subjects and, you know, vet is is one of those. And uh, so, yeah, for the last few years, that was what I was keen on. Yep, yep. But that's that's a long time ago, so it's hard to remember.
0: (laughs) It's funny because when people... Have an affinity with animals and particularly horses, especially if it comes from as a little bit of a surprise to, you know, relatives and people away from them, and they say, Oh, you'll have to be a vet. It's almost like they don't understand that there's a lot of other um, careers besides being a vet within animals and within, you know, the horse industry. If someone's going to start to work in the horse industry, what do you think are the core skills or character traits that they need to work? Not necessarily as a vet, but any job in the horse industry
1: well, well I guess being a vet is is only a very small part of those involved in the industry like a tiny tiny part I think the core skills you need um, you need a fondness for hard work and um, ability to persist and to you know learn off people with more experience than you I think there's a bit of a mistake that people do courses, you know, might do one or two year diploma or degree or, or some sort of education they get after school and they think they know everything and uh, you, you're not going to do that. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. I think anyone that's been in the industry, you know, that's just your very first step. And even, even you know, as a vet, I'm sure you get people that come out of vet school and they go into practice, but, you know, that's practicing. That's for them to keep learning, keep learning and keep educating.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. I it was the same as everybody else. You have a certain amount of knowledge, but uh, and and it keeps growing, uh, growing every year. So when you you graduate as a vet or from a equine science course or something like that, yeah, you, your knowledge is uh, minuscule compared to what it will be in years to come.
0: Yeah. What do you think is the best thing about working with horses and working in the horse industry?
1: Well, I think it's a combination of the horses themselves. Uh, fantastic animals uh, ability to work outside and uh, not not being you know confined to uh, to an office as many people have to suffer and working with the people that are involved are great uh, some yeah absolutely great people and the the efforts that they put in, to the devotion they have and the care that they have for their horses is is incredible
0: yeah and it's always nice mixing with people that have got the same um You know, the same passion, same interest, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I'm in the passion and uh, it's amazing in Australia and and New Zealand particularly uh, that how many people have that passion and you go to other countries. I travel a lot and you you go to countries in Asia and there are just so few people who have either had the opportunity or or the interest in being involved in uh, horses in the way that people are here.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about people, you've talked about your uncle, must have been who got you started with horses, what about other people who've influenced you within your career?
1: Oh, I think there are a number of vets who uh, were sort of mentors um, in my early early days as a vet, so people like Professor Leo Jeffcott, Dr Jeff Hazard, Lex Carroll, so these were people who were far more experienced than me and uh, I... um, have you know, spent time working with them and trying to soak up knowledge from them in nutrition. A couple of my sort of colleagues at, um, at KER, Dr. Joe Pagan, who established the business in uh, the US in 1988, is an incredible source of knowledge about nutrition, and um, and Steve Jackson, Dr. Steve Jackson, who uh, was a great uh, great practical horseman. So uh, they're they're amongst those those people.
0: Mm. And and now. These days, do you find yourself mentoring other younger vets and other people about nutrition?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's part of what you do. So uh, we have a an advice team at KR so that are giving advice to horse owners who mm-hmm. contact us. And uh, so we had a number of younger younger graduates come through that uh, that program. In the US, we actually have a sort of research uh, internship program people have done that and then gone on to uh, do degrees and masters and even PhDs following their involvement in that program. So that's sort of rewarding to see people develop their knowledge and skills. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you find that's changing, you know, the knowledge about nutrition, horse nutrition, and also the ability to, you know, I'm thinking about technology, you know, the use of technology to get more accurate data. Do you use much In the way of technology to get the data to find more accurate results about nutrition.
1: Well, we have um, we use you know uh, analysis of feeds and we use computer programs to Mm. uh, do things like assessments of nutrient requirements and how that is supplied by various feeds. I mean, technology is dangerous in the wrong hands, and I think one of the things that happened with the development of the internet and and asking Doctor Google about um, about things (laughs) there's there's a lot of information on the internet it can be put up by anybody you don't have to have qualifications or expertise and there's a lot of stuff out there that's that's wrong it's misleading that's wrong and sometimes actually dangerous so people need to be able to filter the information that they read and look for credible sources of information rather than just one that sort of shouts the loudest from the rooftops
0: and i think not just nutrition too You know, there's a lot of people who are well meaning, who get on with their limited experience with their, you know, one horse that's had one problem and they've, without correct scientific data, they can fix a problem, but it may be not what they were doing that fixed the problem. It may be, you know, there's lots of misinformation, not just about nutrition. Yes, I can certainly agree with you there. Okay, now what about horses? Has there been any horses? That have influenced you particularly, making different decisions, different career-making decisions.
1: Um, well, I guess there are some horses that uh, that have a big influence for us. As, you know, some of the stallions that are on the big farms that we work with that are worth incredible amounts of money and can generate um, you know massive incomes for the farm. So, uh, they're uh, somebody you've paid particular attention to. Some of the other individual horses. Yeah, I mean, there's a great number of um, of horses that you touch in a sort of lifetime, a lifetime working with them, that have an influence. Some of the successful ones, you know, the uh, horses like uh, you know Megan Jones' horse Jester, who uh, was a silver medalist uh, in Hong Kong. So we had quite a big involvement in uh, his feeding and management over the years. Is one that comes to mind, a number of the really good endurance horses that uh, people like Meg, uh, Meg Wade has ridden, had a fair bit to do with some of those. Red Cadeau is one uh, that uh, does come to mind because... He was an English horse that came to run in the Melbourne Cup you know, four times and uh, ran second three times. And we designed feeds for him every year that, that were the same feeds as his. He was on at home mm-hmm. and got them made in Australia. And uh, so uh, he was a, a fabulous horse. So, yeah, there's, there's that type of horse that um, gives you a lot of satisfaction yep. Uh, yep. at being able to help them and uh, help their owners or managers or trainers feed them better. Is
0: that helping them, is that your proudest moment or have you got something else that you'd like to talk about?
1: Oh, no, I think it's helping horses, helping owners feed their horses better and through either advice or products or sort of management tips of the things that do make you proud, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you feel like, feel you've achieved something. So that's the sort of thing that you do. We're in a business that does have an involvement in products, but we we want to give advice for that product about how to use them, how to feed their horses better. And uh, so they have, you know, uh, healthier, you know, happier and and better performing horses.
0: What do you think, you know, because you talk to a lot of horse owners, you talk and not just all race horses or all eventers or all endurance horses, but you talk to a lot of different owners about their horses across a variety of disciplines. What do you think is something that's, fairly common across the disciplines that um, people can know? You know, thinking about our listeners and thinking about education and something they can take away and go, wow, that was a really good interview. I really enjoyed. I learned this. What would it be?
1: Well, I think it's not to make it too complicated to try and keep feeding relatively simple. And feeding horses should be relatively simple. Uh, You start with the forage, which is sort of pasture and hay and chaff. And then you complement that with what other nutrients the horse needs, be it uh, energy or minerals or vitamins. And then maybe you add some supplements for special needs. It shouldn't be as complicated as, as many people make it. And I think that would be the, uh, one of the things I'd say is to try and keep it simple and keep it as as Natural as possible, and I'm talking natural in terms of availability of forage, for example. So, you know, the horse evolved. If you think of where the horse evolved, they were roaming herbivores, they graze for sort of 12, 16 hours a day, they exercise doing that, they walk sort of, you know, seven to 10 Ks, maybe even more, and um, try and make uh, the feeding program as natural as possible in, in those terms mm-hmm. rather than uh, complicating it with uh, too many additives to the yep. feed bin. Yep.
0: Now, Peter, have you got something? And I know you've got your book, which is Horse Sense: The Guide to Horse Care in Australia and New Zealand. So we've got that one. Is there another, any other books that you'd like to recommend to our listeners to complement their knowledge about feeding and equine nutrition?
1: Possibly, not so much a book as a website. we've got a uh, a website called Equinews, which is equinews dot com, and that's got thousands of articles that are written in the same sort of fashion as horse sense trying to be easy to understand or tens of thousands of articles so people can use that as a research if they want to look at one particular topic so go in and, um, and search for the, the keywords of that topic or we have a weekly newsletter called the weekly feed that comes out of that you can sign up for that and that's got sort of three or four articles a week that are either based on things about nutrition and health current research topics that are of interest to people so that is a fantastic resource. And I mean, I've said that the internet can be dangerous, but I think um, something like that, you know, we used to publish those things in books and magazines, but getting the distribution or printing enough of them or having them affordable was the challenge. Whereas that is something where the internet has made information like that readily available to everybody for free.
0: And I think the recommendation coming from a vet who's a specialist in nutrition, who has studied nutrition pretty much his whole working life, I think that's a good recommendation on somewhere you can get the right advice from. Yeah, thanks for that, Peter. Now, what are you looking forward to at the moment? Peter, what does your future hold?
1: So, well, the short-term future holds. I'm off to Asia uh, to okay. do some work in uh, China and Japan for a little while, um, and uh, that's interesting because Australia is one of the easier places to feed horses. And if if people have pasture, then um, you know it's much easier than where you've got to lock horses up in stables all the time. So mm. there's, there's that side of uh, the angle. So to some degree... Um, so the future holds is, would be continuing to do research on issues that are facing horses, that um, and there are new health issues that have developed in the last few years uh, or become more apparent, and things like you know, the epidemic of obesity amongst horses and uh, that can lead to a syndrome called equine metabolic syndrome that has a high risk of laminitis. So there's continuing to do research into areas like that, into areas like gastric ulcers that are a very common problem affecting horses. So it's trying to increase our knowledge so that we can feed horses better and manage them better and try and then to get the information out to as many horse owners as you can so that they can look after their horses better.
0: Just to do with the changes between Australia and Asia, to do with types of feed and I'm talking about generally you know I know every horse is different we're going to feed them different but generally the availability of feed the different conditions you know the the more stabling the less turning out what differences are there between feeding horses in Australia say and feeding horses in Asia what what availability of feed is there and how does the diet change to still keep the horse healthy
1: well, they tend to have to feed, uh, in Asia, feed a lot more concentrates to horses, often feeding lower quality hay or expensive imported hay, so they don't feed enough hay to their horses or you know, they don't tend to use chaff. You don't have to use chaff, but so that horses don't get as much forage. So there's often, uh, you've got horses that are higher risk of colic, have got more gut problems, more gastric ulcers, more hindgut disturbances, and because of that, they're not as happy as horses. So more behavioural issues, uh, you get more horses that are light in condition because of that. Now you know we have problems here with I've said about horses getting too fat, and sometimes that relates to the quality of the pasture that horses have. You know where pasture has been developed for cows in particular is often is too potent for many horses. So sometimes I'm talking about benefits of pasture, but. Not every horse can cope with that, so you've got to be a bit careful there. Definitely, you know, mm-hmm. Particularly mm-hmm. if you've got ponies or horses that aren't to too fat. But it's, yeah, there are more issues, more. If you don't have pasture there, it's harder. There's, the feeding is, is very much in charge. In, you're in charge, and uh, they often make a mistake of, oh, well, we feed a horse a hard feed you know, a couple of times a day. Well, we'll feed them hay twice a day instead of saying, you know, I want to have forage available front of the horse 24 yep. hours a day, yes. which is what would be happening if the horse was in the paddock. And because of, if we do that, we have have more problems. Mm. And that's where, you know, I think too many horses here are stabled for too long and they're stabled without access to, to forage.
0: Yep. Yeah. So you really put, you know, about the natural availability and going back to the natural surrounding natural environment that horses have. And keep the forage and keep the walking and keep the movement and yeah. 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 Okay. And Peter, just in a few sentences, can you summarize your whole philosophy about feeding horses, nutrition with horses, just into a message for our listeners to take away?
1: Well, I guess it would be repeating some of the things I've already said, such as, you know, trying to keep it as simple as you can, making sure you feed horses as individuals, making sure, you know, you get the forage program right in particular and um, be aware that you're adding concentrates and supplements only as required and uh, not overdoing that Mm -hmm. overdoing Mm -hmm. that, you know, matching feed and work and keeping an idea on uh, looking at body condition of horses and one of the research projects I was involved in a very long time ago as a young pet was looking at developing a body condition scoring system and I think that's actually, application of that has, has made a big impact on how people manage their horses if they do it properly because we don't all have the facilities to weigh horses and even if we weigh them we go well what's the ideal body weight but if you look at body condition you can assess you know how fat or thin the horse is and make adjustments to its feeding program accordingly and unfortunately I think you know show judges have got a lot to answer for in terms of demanding that show horses are too fat they're unhealthily fat. So people need to overfeed them, and then when they overfeed them, they have to work the hell out of them before they go in the, in the ring. And so I think, uh, you know, horses, uh, seeing ribs is a good thing in horses. Mm-hmm. So I'd mm-hmm. like to uh, people to keep their horses lighter rather than, uh, think, to keep them too heavy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting about, you know, we talk about dressage and the way horses go, and it really comes back to the judge because people are trying to their performance if they've got performance horses they've got to go back and the judge is making the ultimate decision so they do have a lot to answer for yeah yeah just to keep things on track.
1: yeah absolutely and you know horses are living longer but you know we don't want their joints to wear out and uh, things like that so you know keeping them fitter rather than uh, fatter would be one of my mantras about uh, about looking after horses
0: yep yep all right Peter now how can people contact you?
1: Well, I think if they contact me through um, Kentucky Equine Research, we've got an advice line uh, with a one eight hundred number one eight hundred seven seven two one nine eight, or advice at kr dot com, and they can get to me um, through those sort of resources. I'm happy to talk to people okay. or email them about about issues. Um, right. so that's the uh, that'd be the best way of. Getting in touch with me, but uh, and uh, i'd I'd again sort of say in terms of a resource, with information about nutrition that is um, general, then looking at the Equinews website, searching according to a keyword or signing up for the weekly feed, uh, electronic newsletter will provide you with uh, a great ongoing sort of knowledge. Uh, great ongoing resource in terms of knowledge and developing your skills about feeding horses. But if you have specific uh, questions, then we're very happy to talk to you about those.
0: Okay. Look, that's brilliant, Peter. I think um, all of those contact details, as well as the equinews.com and the weekly feed, will be on our website at horsechats.com. It'll be horsechats.com slash Peter Huntington or go to horsechats.com, search for Peter, or search for Huntington. We'll put the doctor in front of your name when we do it, but we don't put it on your leg, Peter. So uh, we certainly recognise that you're well qualified to talk within your field. And thanks very okay. much for talking to us today. I'm, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of people following you up from there. Thank you.
1: Okay, thanks for the opportunity. bye
0: If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe.